Hello, welcome to the Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. So, how long have you been Ant-Man again? Not long. It just sort of happened. We are about to get a second Ant-Man movie, this time joined by fellow miniature tiny small little superhero the Wasp. But can Marvel expect big things? See what I've done there? I'm deputizing both of you. A team of crime fighters with license to bite. Best in show. Set a pretty high standard for films about dog shows, but I feel like a kid's film, Show Dogs, might be taking a different path. Curious subject matter for a young lady. Are you suggesting the work belongs to Mr. Shelley? It is my story. And if you also can't go past a good costume drama biopic, then get in line because we're talking about Mary Shelley. That's this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Hello, 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 welcome. My name is Kyron Wheatley and we're here to sift through cinema's new releases before they've even been released. With a PhD in film, we are joined by Vari McIntyre. Hello. Hello. What would you do with the superpower of shrinking down to the size of an ant? It's going to make me sound like a real adult, but I think avoiding big utility bill costs <laughs> because you could... T- <laughs> Because you could take a bath in like one drop of water yeah. and like oh, wow. help the environment at the same time. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Michael Cambo Campbell is here from Village Cinemas. So other than sneaking into movies, what would you do? I'm going to sound way more, I guess, selfish because you're trying to help the environment, Vari. Mm. This could be a good way if you could control the size you are to make any screen, even you want at home, look massive because you just shrink down and the screen gets bigger. So you can have a cinema screen with your Nokia 3210. <laughs> yes, exactly. Think about that yourself and keep listening. We've got your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass a little later on. I just have one question. When Cap needed help... If I'd asked you, would you have come? I guess we'll never know. In 1979, comic books had already been popular for decades, so a couple of Marvel writers were looking around for something a little bit fresh, and they came up with an ex-burglar who can shrink himself down to the size of an ant. Ant-Man. Flash forward to 2015, and you find Paul Rudd, Phoebe's husband in Friends, starring in a movie half-written by Edgar Wright of Baby Driver and Adam McKay of Anchorman. So it was funny and offbeat, and now we have a sequel. But Vary, is it any good? It is. I think it's as good or even better than the first one. I enjoyed this a lot. So this is set after the events of Captain America Civil War, and Paul Rudd's character Ant-Man is under house arrest, and it's almost been two years. Um, and he's been struggling. Like, sorry, under house arrest for like his burglaring or for his Ant Man. For what? Yeah, for what happened in Captain America. Um, right. So he, if you remember, he grew to a really big size, and there was this huge fight at this like oh, yeah. German airport, and they all got in trouble. Um, but he seems to be the only one who got actually in trouble and has actually been dealing with the consequences. Oh, poor Ant Man. So yeah, and he's <laughs> been trying to be a good dad to his daughter Cassie, and then he gets confronted by Evangeline Lilly's character, who plays the Wasp, and her father, Dr. Hank Pym, and they come to him with an urgent new mission and a new villain called The Ghost. You know what I kind of like now about these Marvel movies is they're, what is this number, like number 20, I think, mm-hmm. now. they It, it kind of feels like a TV show now, even to the point where, I don't know if you notice this, but they, they have a little scene at the start that's like a stinger, and then they have the opening... A stinger? Like, uh, you know, oh, something, I get it. something to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something to kind of tease what the plot's going to be, like oh, they, yeah. like you know, in Law and Order, someone finds a dead body and then the credits start. And then, do, 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 yeah, the then, prologue. Then, yeah, a prologue. That's a better mm. way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> They've started doing that in these movies now. I've noticed for the last three, there's a little prologue and then the opening credits start, and it feels so much like a long form TV show now. Mm. Yeah, Is it a, a good, good one? 
I think in the first film they really hammed up the the humour because they are very self-aware that going down to the size of an ant and having a little ant army and riding ants in the sky is a bit silly. It's dumb, isn't it? <laughs> they're yeah. like, okay, guys, we're aware ants are funny. It's a funny superpower, but they're going to run with it. And in the second movie, they've gotten over that maybe, and they just, yeah, they just go with it. I think this is more of a comedy than the first because Paul Rudd, I found, was like more Paul Rudd-y than the last one. Like he's really mm. like mugging for the camera, kind of like, whoa. And I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but like in a, in a really, <laughs> fun way like i think the first one they tried to inject some comedy into it but i thought this one naturally seemed more like a comedy kind of like thor did yeah yeah it actually might be one of my favorite marvel movies now like yeah i did really like thor and then they sort of rebranded it in thor ragnarok and made that more of a comedy but ant-man just yeah it just feels more natural and funny how did you feel coming from like infinity war which was really heavy into this yeah i think it's a good idea personally because I don't know if I could have handled another really heavy yeah. kind of like, you know, everything's the worst kind of movie. And I loved Infinity War, but I kind of like yeah. it. They're like, you know what? Now let's have some fun. Yeah. It's a lot lighter than those other superhero storylines that are a lot darker. And it's less complicated as well. It's not so wrapped up in the Avengers series. So it just does focus on the two main characters, Ant-Man and the Wasp and their enemy. And there's not all these other billions of superheroes trying to fill the screen and all their storylines. It's a lot simpler. So maybe if you haven't seen all the other Avengers movies or you just know the plot, you can enjoy this one without having to see 50 before you see this one. I don't think you really need to have seen anything else. That's so interesting because I know that the first one with Edgar Wright, who was dropped from the project, and Adam McKay, who wrote some of it, you know, Edgar Wright's whole thing was, I don't want this to be part of the... MCU, this yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe that you know that everything has to tie together and yeah. it's got to be after Captain America. So he's in, you know, he's in house arrest and all these things. So he just wanted a standalone thing, and they were like, no. <laughs> so they like dropped him, got rid of him. So it's interesting that then this second one, you're like, oh. yeah, you don't need to see anything. But there, there are oh, his original vision. <laughs> Scott, thanks to you, we had to run. We're still running. We gotta go now. For me, this this falls into I'm gonna say like middle tier kind of Marvel movies. You've got your your higher end, which are things like their big event films. I really tend to like the year Infinity Wars and your Civil Wars, anything with war in the title, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've got your lower end, which is like your second Thor, and where they seem like kind of cash grabs. This is like a solid like Doctor Strange or the original Ant-Man. It's it's about there, you know. It's not going to be like the epic $2 billion world changer like Black Panther or Infinity War, but it's just a super solid single or I guess duo superhero film. Yeah, and you know what's different about it as well is the fact that Paul Rudd's character is dealing with the consequences of all these. Like all the other superheroes seem to get away with it. Even in Avengers, they kind of mention that they're on the run from the FBI because they did bad things and they don't have any consequences. Whereas Paul Rudd for the last two years has been, or Ant-Man, has been dealing with this and it's the connection he makes with his daughter that makes him want to be Ant-Man again because he wants to do good and she really believes in him and the little girl that plays Cassie does a really good performance. She gets a bigger role in this one than the first one as well. And she's not annoying, which is my fear for any <laughs> any kid in a film. <laughs> really? Any kid in a film. 
Because, like, you know, it's not a natural thing for them to be acting, and sometimes they're they're a little annoying. So whenever I see a kid that's not annoying, what like, scarred you? What I don't film know. scarred you? I'm just a, I'm just a cynical man with a black heart. <laughs> we know Paul Rudd is good. Then I mean, he even co- co-wrote this movie. But what about about Evangeline Lilly? How does she go as the Wasp? Oh, she's great. I, I really, really like. I used to have such a crush on her back in the Lost days. Oh yeah, from Lost. Yeah. So mm. I, to me, she'd always been Kate from Lost, but now I think officially she's the Wasp. Like she kind of owns it enough that you're like, you know what? Yes. Oh, I liked her in um, Lord of the Rings as Tauriel, mm. the elf. She was a really badass character in there. Yeah, yeah she's kind of so gone through that. like she's kind of gone through pop culture. Her and Zoe Saldana from Guardians are like these like meccas of pop culture, aren't they? She got Lost and Lord of the Rings and now Marvel. Mm. Uh, she's great though. She's uh, in the first one. I found her maybe a little one note. Yeah, she was a bit of a caricature of the, like the, the female the, character, the tough girl mm. kind of thing, quote unquote. Um, yeah. But in this, well, one, how much was she in the first one? A fair bit. I would say she's maybe oh, okay. the second yeah. or third lead. Right. But obviously, that was all about Paul Rudd becoming a criminal to a superhero. That's the focus. So she was just there to punch him in the nose every now and then and say, "Get in line." Yeah. Whereas this one, they actually give her like a proper arc and, and motivation, mm. in, and she is she's in the name of the film now. So she's like the central emotional focus and now this time scott lang is like the he's the secondary which i thought was kind of a a good choice yeah he's the comedic relief in counterpoint to her really intelligent character so there's a lot of scientific terminology they're trying to make this like quantum tunnel and they talk about all these really weird technologies and stuff throughout the movie and paul rudd even makes a note of it as well. He's like, do you just put quantum in front of all your words? <laughs> I get this kind of back to the future vibe with this film. I don't know if anyone else found that, but it's but kind of... How so? It's this like goofy, silly characters, yeah. but with this technology and going mm. back and forth between worlds and they've got this like scientist character and... Sort of like, honey, I, mean, I shrunk the superheroes. <laughs> maybe it was just me. But I think, I think that's the thing is, you know, like you've got all these superheroes and you've got Captain America, which is, you know, and you've got, you know, super obviously like Superman and Batman and all these. And it's sort of, I don't know, like I like Paul Rudd. I like Edgar Wright. I like Adam McKay. I did not see Ant-Man because I'm like, really? We, they just We just shrink some superheroes and that's the thing i think what what marvel are good at if nothing else is taking an idea that shouldn't work like a talking tree and a raccoon being best friends <laughs> and making you kind of care about them yeah. which is i was thinking about this that's after true the movie. i didn't care for guardians either and then i saw it and i was like wow that was really good <laughs> right like they as an idea doesn't it sound so dumb and you're yeah. like all right let's see even paul rudd said when he took the role his kid was like ant-man okay let's see how dumb this is gonna be oh. <laughs> hold on you gave her wings and blasters. So I take it you didn't have that tech available for me. No, I did. All right, so who should see this film? I think if you're a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large, this is a real solid entry. It's not the higher end, certainly not the lower end. It's right there in the middle as a good, solid summer I mean, winter for us, but summer in America, uh, blockbuster film. Yeah, if you like the superhero movies, but also if you want to see a more prominent female character. And yeah, if you just want to have a good laugh, it's just a really feel-good superhero movie. Mm-hmm. He can't do it alone. I'm deputizing both of you. A team of crime fighters. With license to bite. Sometimes you hear about a film going back to get recut so they don't get slapped with the R18 Plus label. Famously, the death knell of profit for a movie. But it's rarer for a film to get recut so it can squeeze into a G rating. Show Dogs is that movie. What happened? Well, I mean, this is what I call a, a non 
which means, you know, like there's a lot of hype and there's really nothing about it. So I deliberately, when, when we went into the screening, I deliberately didn't look up what this controversy was because I wanted to see whether I could pick it. But you'd heard that it had been cut or something. I, yeah, I heard that, that, that Roadshow, who were distributing it here, had their own cut of it because they wanted to remove a scene. Yeah. So I watched it and it, it it flowed like a normal movie. I didn't notice anything. So then afterwards I looked it up. It, it looks like something that people have maybe taken the wrong way or maybe it was a joke that didn't land. I, I, I don't know enough about it to speak super confidently, but I mean, from what I've read, I can ascertain that there was a scene that people thought was a little offensive. So they just took it out for the Australian release. Because it's for kids at the end of the day. Exactly. And it, not only that, but like this movie in the current form that I watched it, you do very well to be offended by it. I mean, it's it's talking dogs that are cops. So, so as a kids' film, Vari, how is it? Oh, it's a whole lot of fun. Like, who doesn't want to see dogs on the screen? Yeah. Those kids' movies with animals like G-Force, which was about guinea pigs, oh, yeah. and Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I forgot about G-Force. Yeah. My, it's like one of my friend's <laughs> really? favourite films. One yeah. of your friend's favourite films yeah, it's about is G-Force. Pigs. Yes. Why not? <laughs> Actually, it surprised me like how young this movie skews. We collectively probably don't know that much about it, but it, we're not really, I guess, the demographic, yeah. right? Like, you know, uh, it, it skews like, I'm talking like five, six-year-old kids, like really young. Yeah, right. More than mm. I was expecting, I suppose, because all I knew was like dogs and Will Arnett. So I was expecting... Yeah. Well, the cast is actually quite big. Like, you know, you've got Will Arnett from Arrested Development, but you've also got Alan Cumming, who you know from the... Oh, what's the TV show he's in at the moment that's... All over television. It's like that procedural cop thing. But as well, he's famously like a Shakespearean theatre actor. Yeah, and like he's, he's, he's on some... Broadway and yeah. that sort of thing. You see him on The Tonight Show. Stanley Tucci, who's in Captain America and The Hunger Games and almost everything that's ever <laughs> been on yeah. screen. Shaquille O'Neal, who he's you know in from basketball. playing basketball. <laughs> RuPaul from RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, this is a crazy cast. So what's it actually about? All right, to give people a basic idea, it, it's not the, the most complicated plot in the world. Uh, so there is a uh, an, an animal smuggling ring that is being uh, trafficked through a dog show in Las Vegas. So Max, who is the, the main Rottweiler, is a New York City police dog and he teams up with Will Arnett who's an FBI agent and they go undercover the dog show to to try and work out this uh, animal smuggling ring. It's it's miscongeniality with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> like it's even got the same kind of character uh, archetypes. There's Michael Caine in miscongeniality, Stanley Tucci in this movie. It's it's not you know it's not the most original mind blowing movie in the world. It's like miscongeniality meets cats and dogs. <laughs> it is a bit yeah. It reminded me a lot of cats and dogs. Yeah, that, that was the movie it kept reminding me of, which is a movie I still love when I was a kid. So that's that's where my mind was thinking. Right now, this movie is obviously not really for me, but my my six year old self that loved cats and dogs. Yeah, I would have been losing my mind. But like people our age have kids, are they going to be frustrated by this film? You know, it's not it's not a super like annoying film that you're going to be super desperate to get out of. It just doesn't have that extra level that say something like a Pixar film has. Yeah, it's light on plot, but it's big on laughs. Like everyone's going to have a good jolly laugh about it. Viva Las Vegas. I give props to hip hop, so hip hop hooray! Viva Las Vegas. Hey, no. stop. What kind of dog likes hip-hop? I like that this movie has a Rottweiler as the hero um, because a lot of movies will have the cute fluffy dogs like yeah. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Same and... director as Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, um, he's got a, he's got a wow. niche, doesn't he? <laughs> when you make a dog film, you go straight to the top, <laughs> don't you? 
Do you think it's showing of like, obviously Hollywood is all now about like equal representation and it's even <laughs> gone dogs. so far as they're like, you know what? Labradors have had too many movies. What about the Rottweiler? It's making kids look at these big scary dogs as maybe not so scary because Max is a really nice, good character. So who should see this movie? I mean, <laughs> kids. I ask ridiculously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, not that any five or six year old kids will be listening to this, but yeah. if you're the parent of a five or six year old kid and Incredibles looks a bit too full on or Hotel Transylvania looks a bit scary... I mean, they're going to love it. Well, with it being school holidays, there's only a couple of kids' films out at the moment, um, and the other two are animated. So if you want to see something a bit different, this one's got dogs, and let's be honest, like <laughs> adults like dog movies as well. So maybe not just One adult kids. here really yeah, likes dog especially movies. Especially you, I'm picking up a little. <laughs> also in cinemas this week, seeing as it is school holidays, Hotel Transylvania 3. Yep, uh, the Dracula and the gang are back, and they're on holiday this time. Oh. <laughs> Sicario 2, the second, not as... Fluffy, I would say, as Hotel Transylvania 3, a little bit more serious. Yeah, about Mexican drug cartels. What a school holiday film. (laughs) And as close to a rom-com as you're going to get, Adrift is out. The romantic perfect storm. (laughs) Exactly. And if you want more on those, you can check out the reviews in last week's episode. Just click on the next episode down in your app, just there, right now. Would you like to join me in the parlour, Miss Goldwyn? I have no quarrel with you becoming lovers. Do you wish to be with someone else? I no longer see the world and its works as they before appeared to me, and men appeared to me as monsters. We are each to write a ghost story. It's a competition. You know Frankenstein is not the monster? He's the doctor. The monster is called Frankenstein's monster. And it was all dreamt up by Mary Shelley in 1818 at just 20 years old. But at that time, it was a little unusual for a woman to be writing a book. So it wasn't until an 1823 edition that her name was even printed on the cover. And even that was restricted to France. So this seems like a juicy story. And the world seems finally ready for it. Does this movie match up to the tale, Vary? Yes, I loved this film. So Elle Fanning plays Mary Shelley. You might know Elle Fanning from The Beguiled and she was in Maleficent. And also, and she's and, probably stained with this, but she's Dakota Fanning's sister? Yes. She's, she's her own person as well, right? She became famous. <laughs> yeah. Just checking. Yeah. She became famous for being Dakota Fanning's sister, but yeah. is now, I'd say, more famous. And she's doing really solid films. And so in Mary Shelley, we follow her story from when she was 16. So it's 1800s England. Mm-hmm. And she's a bit of a dreamer and she wants to be a writer. And she has two famous parents but she has a really hard knock life. She goes through some really difficult times and this is what inspires her to write Frankenstein. So it's not about the work itself, which was what I was expecting to see in the film, but it's more about what inspired her to write this. And she meets her future husband, Percy Shelley, who is a poet himself, and it's about their torrid love affair and how she grows up and comes to write this masterwork. It's a good note. It's not about so much writing Frankenstein, but her life before she wrote it and what maybe inspired some of the themes. You see some of the themes come in, right? Well, that's what I was going to say, is that from the trailer, it seems like her life was about Frankenstein. A little bit. Like, you you see the the, the people in her life that inspired some of the characters in her work. And she had, you're right, a really rough life. I remember before we walked in, and I had said to you, I'm like, do you know anything about Mary Shelley? I didn't. And, I, and I, all I said is, oh boy, because <laughs> yeah. she, she had a rough one. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's more of like a relationship drama 
than a than a movie about writing a book. Yeah, being a British period drama as this film is, it has elements of Pride and Prejudice and Jane Eyre and these sort of romantic Austen esque novels. But does it tick those boxes? Like, because it does. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's, I love those sorts and it, of things. Like, it looks yeah. beautiful as well. I, the yep. cinematography is like, and the music, it's like kind of gothic and dark and kind of beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's this really dark beauty that's threaded throughout it. And so, with it being more about the relationship with her and her sister-in-law and um, this lover, uh, Percy Shelley, it is a bit teenage love story. I think so. It hits that audience, but then as well. As it progresses, and I think you have to have a bit of patience as it goes along because you, I didn't see where it was going and it was sort of just building up and up and the hardships and the toils that she goes through then just sort of explodes out into this book right at the end and it all comes together and, and ties ties it all up. And, I, I yeah, I really felt satisfied with how it came together. It's kind of like an exact counterpoint to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like tonally, if you're thinking yes. like that sounds a bit silly, I love the idea that they wrote it like that. Yeah, yeah. what's like, coming out? We the know Ant Man's coming out. What can we do that's the exact opposite? Because yeah, like Ant Man is kind of fluffy and light and funny. This is this is kind of a heavy film, but it's a very worthwhile film. And she is like she's such an inspiring figure. You know, she's a real pioneer. And even her relationship with Percy Shelley is like this really ahead of its time kind of like yeah open relationship, scandalous for the time. And I I knew a little bit about her life, but I learned a lot watching this movie about how amazing she kind of really was. Is it a reaction to sort of modern day themes? Like, is it political, this movie? Um, not, not really. No more political than Mary Shelley was in real life, which is that, you know, I'm a human. I should be treated as such. And just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't write or I can't have been through these things that this character has been through. But I mean, it, it doesn't really make a political stance in any severe way. It's yeah. neither left nor right leaning particularly. And I think if you're into like literature, then this is a, this is a really interesting movie. Like, you know, you've got the people that, that love these classic stories, but knowing where they came from is just as interesting mm. to see like the things this this poor woman went through and then the fact that she wasn't given credit for a couple of years like you you really get this rounded picture of this kind of amazing woman and Al Fanning is I would say her and Sasha Ronan from Ladybird are probably like of their generation of actresses like the tip top like they're going to be like the next Meryl Streep's, I think. Yeah, she gives a beautiful performance. And the character Mary Shelley, I mean, she runs away from home with this guy at 16. And I would never imagine doing something like that. <laughs> but, I mean, when you think back in those days, the average lifespan was like 40. She was probably middle-aged. Yeah. So it's not so scandalous. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to ask you something, Vari. So there, there's something that happens every now and then. It happened in this movie when an actor is so attractive that it's distracting. And the main uh, uh, Percy Shelley is played by a guy called Douglas Booth, who I actually think was really good. Like I, I really like Douglas Great Booth, name. but he's so handsome that in no way can you kind of concentrate on what he's saying. I'm like, well, look at of, those cheekbones. It sounds like yeah. you don't have to ask Vari about this. <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. like you're perfectly distracted on your well, own. I'm saying, am I the only one? Like, <laughs> No, I felt that too. Uh, look, he was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, so he's got that oh, yeah. um, oh, he's got that period esteem. drama. <laughs> yeah. They're not two different films, by the way. That's the same movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pride same and Prejudice movie. and yeah. Zombies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so he's got that very upper crust British mm. cut from stone type <laughs> face. But. but for someone that could just be written off as a pretty boy, because he is very pretty, I would say he is maybe just under Al Fanning is with how mm. good he is, which is to say 
very, very good. Yeah, because he plays a horrible character. He's not very likable. But but in a way he is, though, because like, he's very charming when you first meet him and you get why she's kind of attracted to him. And then he, yeah. he, he takes this turn and you don't like him, but he's still kind of charming. And that's a very hard thing to pull off as an actor. You're either completely unlikable or completely charming. And he is better at most than like f- actually flipping between those two, I think. Yeah, it's like in those horror movies when you know the character is going to go toward danger and you're like, no, what are you doing? Get out of there. Mary Shelley going towards oh, yeah. Percy is like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> Get away from him. <laughs> you were screaming that in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who should see this movie? Look, I think if you've got a big old collection of like the Penguins classics on your shelf. Mm-hmm. And I, never read them. That's and never read them. But, but, you, but you want to seem well read. Yeah. This movie, you're going to pick up a couple of tidbits at, at, a, at a cocktail party that you could spit out. Great. Yeah, I think a young adult audience is going to appreciate this from the the romantic themes in it. Twilighty, sort of. <laughs> Much better than okay. that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> when I met you, I felt alive. Come away with me. Are you really involved with that whoremonger? I have a fire in my soul, and I will no longer allow you or anyone else to contain it. How many men are in this movie? Because everything I've seen about it is about Elle Fanning's Mary Shelley. Yeah, so her lover, Percy Shelley. I don't know why I care about how many men are in (laughs) There's another character. They all work to give Mary Shelley this idea of men as being horrible monsters. It provides this image to her of the Frankenstein's monster. And that's where this really comes in. Uh, she sees all the men in her life as as monsters. Do you think that's relevant then? Like it's kind of cyclical that in 2018 and everything that's happening in Hollywood that that is now kind of real life, you know, in a, yeah. in a, yeah, in a dark, a- depressing way. We, we want to keep a little light, but this story is actually pretty relevant these days of these yeah. men that are kind of treating her like monsters. Yeah. So when it I asked if it's undercurrent. political, you lied. <laughs> I did. I suppose I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, it is an undercurrent. None of this is really overt and it really just follows her life and it's more like a, a picture frame of, okay, this is what's happened and it leaves the audience to make up their own mind about yeah. it. But so when it all comes together. It's sort of there if you want it to be there. Yeah. There, yeah. There's never like a show point. dogs. It's yeah. sort of like show dogs. <laughs> yeah, there's never a point where she turns to the camera and is like, well, these men are treating me like monsters and then little hashtag times up down the bottom. Yeah. It's never like overt like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's the way this film is. It's so beautifully crafted. And I don't know, it's got this gentle feel about it that you're going on this journey with her. And then it all comes together at you the end. You love this and, film. Yeah, I did. Each week we give away a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass. Do we have a winner this week? We do. This week's winner is Andrew, and he said the most far out place he saw a movie was in New York, but his choice was between seeing Home Alone 3 and Mortal Kombat 2 back in 97. (laughs) He said he ended up seeing Home Alone 3, but in hindsight, he doesn't know which one was the more terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this week, you can win again. If you answer the question, what would you do with the superpower of being able to shrink down to the size of an ant? Send your answer and contact details to win at thecinemacrew.com.au. Next week, we'll hear about Skyscraper, in which Dwayne The Rock Johnson is employed to look after the security of skyscrapers. No kidding. And we'll be talking about Muse, which is not last year's horror sci-fi thriller, but a concert film from the band Muse, who I adore. Until then, thanks, Gambo. Thank you. Thank you, Vary. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.